She's not tanning, look at us go Watching pitch perfect, twilight is torn, man Weekend is gone, watching her love Rose that went by that you don't know And I can't drink her, this is her time Away we go, mm -hmm. away we go Away we go, mm -hmm. the Annie Kendrick show Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode four of Kicking It with Kendrick. I am one of your hosts, Pierre, and as always, I am joined by my lovely co-host. I'm Jeff. There you nice go. to meet you all. Yes. And, I didn't uh, meet you guys in the first three, but now I'm here for real. <laughs> and um, I don't know, today we're talking, we're t- we think we're, we're doing two movies at once. Have we done this already? I mean, last time we did, we did five movies. But they were all five movies in a series. Yeah. yeah, so it's a little different. Um, and I guess in the first one we did an album and a movie. So yeah, so this is actually going to be kind of like that. Yeah, except one of them's not made by Kendrick Lamar, who has not made any movies yet. Unfortunately, I think that would be kind of interesting. Not really. I mean, like he helped out a lot with Black Panther, which we That's may true, talk yeah. about at some point. I don't know if we'll get the opportunity to like work that in, mm-hmm. but I am looking. I'm looking for opportunities. Could be coming. Yeah. Keep your eyes out for that. But yeah, right now we have two movies. One's from 2009, I think, mm-hmm. and one's from 2012, both featuring Anna Kendrick or starring Anna Kendrick. Uh, the first one's Elsewhere, which I think is, is this her first leading role in a movie? This is the first leading role that we've talked about. Okay. I think it's possible it is her first lead role. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool, like because what we've barely had anything to talk about. So this is the first time we're actually going to be <laughs> critiquing an Anna Kendrick-led movie, yeah. or even any type of decently featured <laughs> movie with Anna Kendrick in it. Yeah, and I guess another thing that's interesting about both of these movies is these came out in... We're talking about a movie from 2009 and a movie from 2012. Mm -hmm. The first Twilight movie came out in 2005. The last Twilight movie, if I'm remembering correctly, came out in 2012. So, like, like, these are both movies that came out during the span of the movies we talked about in the last episode. So this is like an interquel almost. Kind of, yeah. And I guess we wanted to do these together because they're both kind of... Like detective themed or like crime themed, I guess. Police. They're themed. both they're both vaguely crime themed, but they're very different, actually. Yeah, for sure. That that's that's on me for making the schedule before I actually knew what any of these movies were. Movie. <laughs> but yeah, but these are actually more closely related than like if we wanted to do say End of Watch and Camp or Elsewhere and Rocket. That would have been a lot more awkward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Elsewhere is uh, 2009. It's. Do you want to tell us more about like the plot, I guess? Yeah, actually, while I'm talking about the plot, can you pull up who directed this? Because like the cast for this movie and like just everyone involved with this movie is like, I don't think they ever did anything ever again. So Elsewhere is like, it reminds me a lot of a movie we're going to talk about a lot later down the road. My personal favorite Anna Kendrick movie, surprisingly. But this movie reminds me of it in certain ways, but uh, it's not as good. Before I get sidetracked completely here. So Elsewhere is, it's a high school movie, kind of. 
Anna Kendrick plays a girl whose name I am blanking on right now. I think Sarah, you can tell me if I'm wrong. But anyway, she plays a girl who uh, her friend is like very active on dating sites, very early into the existence of dating sites. Like this is when eHarmony was like the biggest thing in the world, I guess. And um, they're both high schoolers. They're both underage. But her friend meets the wrong person online and goes missing. And that happens fairly early in the movie. So most of this movie is about Anna Kendrick trying to find her missing friend. And the way that this movie plays out, her friend goes missing and they don't have any leads. But then Anna Kendrick finds uh, her friend's journal. So they like start going through her diary and piecing together who this person was, who, who she was like as a person and who she would have interacted with. Eventually sort of it, it unwinds from there. We'll go into spoilers probably in a couple of minutes here, but basically that's the idea is Anna Kendrick's friend goes missing. And as a fellow high schooler who has access to her diary, she basically has to piece together where her friend could be. It's sort of like a detective crime mystery except like the police are barely involved here because mm. i guess we don't see men i haven't seen many movies that kind of feature like mainly a i don't want to be mean but like it's like an incompetent high school <laughs> like figuring out a case um, i mean yes but like she doesn't have a lot to go on i don't really want to call her incompetent here but like there's no reason to believe she is especially competent either. Yeah. Before I forget, the director is Nathan Hope. Um, Nathan and Hope. this seems to be this his only feature film. And he mostly directs episodes of TV now. He's done work on Gotham and Lucifer. Latest was CSI Vegas. So, okay. I don't know. It seems kind of like generic crime, crime drama things. I haven't personally seen any of those well i think i've seen a couple of episodes of gotham but like this would be a good warm-up if you're gonna go on to do detective procedurals which is basically what all three of those are yeah well it seems yeah it seems like he uh he's been doing stuff like that for a while mm-hmm. yeah anyways yeah the, i think this movie is really weird because i think it takes itself really seriously but there's a lot of things in it that are really frankly confusing like i think it takes way too long for anna kendrick's character to realize her friend has been kidnapped it's about like 40 minutes of like my friend might be kidnapped and i don't know and to be mm-hmm. fair like they point out that like okay her friend has been talking about running away for a long time and she's like a very wild character and that she hates her family or whatever right she has nothing mm-hmm. to be there for if that makes sense um and she's she's involved with a lot of guys like online that she might have gone with so she has lots of options i guess is what the movie's mm-hmm. trying to imply but the first thing that happens is, I mean, I don't know if this is really a spoiler, but like, what, she gets a text message with a video of her friend screaming in like a dark van and a man running at her. And then she's like looking at it and she's like, what could this mean? You know, like, is she in danger? And she sees this and then she shows it to multiple friends or at least two other friends. And she's just like, maybe my friend's in danger. I don't know. And she's calling her and she never hears anything. And it's just, it takes like about one third of the movie for her to go to the police. Even though it should have been like an immediate, oh my God, my friends looks like she's been hurt. I need to call someone immediately. Um, This is very weird to me. Although I also got to say, in this movie, the main policeman played by Jeffrey Daniel Phillips, that's the one other guy's name that I remember. He's also pretty awful. Like, Mm. he's not like, 
evil or anything. But the first time that Anna Kendrick goes to him and is like, hey, my friend might be kidnapped. He's like, no, I think it's fine. She probably just ran away. And like really dissuades her from doing anything. I mean, he's just a bad cop. He's not the bad guy of this movie. So I hesitate to say he's actually evil, but like, he sucks. Yeah, he's not a good person. And like, he almost aggressively doesn't do his job. Yeah, for various reasons. Well, basically like, he could, he could have been outed for having sex with a minor, basically, is what he's nervous about. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what makes him kind of evil in this. It's just, it's still, it was still, well, because first of all, that t- it took a while for that to happen. Maybe if that happened immediately, I kind of would have understood it. But, like, this happened after, like, her thinking about it for a long time and, like, pondering, like, is my friend okay? Like, the, mm-hmm. I guess the pacing could have been a lot tighter there. But, yeah, and then also the, who it was became really obvious really quickly. And I feel like there wasn't enough to make me feel interested once they made it obvious who it was, if that makes sense. And I also got to say, once the movie did reveal who the bad guy was, there was such a weird shift because like, yes, they'd been showing that it was going to be the person that it was. They they telegraph it. But then as soon as they do the reveal, suddenly that character switches from like kind of a creepy goof to just a straight up serial killer, which is... I mean, it's there, but it's still kind of jarring when they yeah. finally do that reveal. And it's like really obvious from him. Like yeah. he's he starts acting like as like you said, yeah, he was kind of like a goof at first, and then he acts extremely like a serial killer for no reason, really yeah. quickly. And you're just he like, goes from okay. a goof to a creep on a dime. Yeah, and then but I still feel like the movies because even though they it's like they tell you the movies kind of like oh, but is it him? You know but it actually yeah. is him. Like, so there's like no tension anymore. So yeah, there wasn't really like, like the climax felt very un unearned because I feel like once they discovered who it was, there wasn't really any more conflict to resolve. It was just more like, okay, now we have to wrap up the movie. And yeah. like, she has to prove it or whatever, even though she doesn't really, mm, well, maybe not prove it, but like she, she leads the cops to the place, I guess. Right. Even though she could have just, probably called the cops right and been like i i think the movie this movie's biggest problem i mean you mentioned the you mentioned earlier some pacing issues i think this movie's Mm. problem is that the script is like the script feels like a second or third draft like maybe Mm. maybe that's being generous because like most of the most of the characters they eventually get there but like it's not interesting how they get to wherever they get to and like when they need a character to do something, they just have that character do it. Like the one character goes from being a weird, goofy guy to being a serial killer because that's what the script needs. Mm -hmm. Anna Kendrick doesn't figure stuff out for a while because that's what the script needs. Yeah, for no reason. And like, I don't know, the dialogue is fine, I guess. I don't think it was specifically good, but like nothing jumped out at me as really bad. Yeah. I don't know. It just kind of feels like, this is just kind of a nothing movie, honestly. I think there was a lot of scenes with, like, at the start. I think, they, like, they spent a lot of time setting up the fact that the girl that gets kidnapped, she's, like, a wild, like, wild spirit, right? They could have set that up in, like, two a two-minute scene, right? But they spend, like, 10, 15 mm-hmm. minutes of the first act of the movie being, like, like, showing multiple scenes where she's, like, oh, I don't care, and, like, I don't like my parents, I'm gonna run away, and, like, her flirting with dudes and stuff. Mm-hmm. and it just never felt really necessary if that makes sense like yeah. stuff like her talking to dudes online might have been more interesting 
if it's something she was hiding and then Anna Kendrick's character found out about it and it was like another layer is like unraveled about the character in a way. Well, it's weird too, because they set up her entire character in the first two minutes of the movie. You said they could have done that. They did. And then they just waited another like 20 minutes before they did anything with it. This whole movie is a lot of waiting for no reason. It felt like, because it's not even a long movie. It's like an hour and a half movie, right? About that, yeah. Like they extended it just to fulfill like the necessary proportions of like a movie, a movie length, I guess, so that people wouldn't Mm -hmm. be pissed when they left the theater. Um, but this could have been done in like an hour, maybe. Um, it could have been an episode of TV, honestly. Maybe that's why it's like Basically. a TV director because he's used to this kind of time length and that kind of script. I would kind of be interested. I'm not going to do this, at least not very soon. But like, I would be interested to go through and watch the episodes of CSI that this director has directed because I'll mm. bet that this is like a carbon copy of one of them, or maybe, I guess the yeah. other way around. Very um. Like, the characters feel very CSI. (laughs) Yeah. But I wanted to say, like, what did you think of... uh, What do you think of Anna Kendrick's performance in this? It was all right. I thought she was better than all the other actors in this movie, if that helps. Um, She was a solid lead, I guess. She, I guess she just felt very purposed, I guess, in the movie. Which might have been just her character, because she's like... The only character was that was actually kind of fighting for something, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And she was determined. Um, everyone else was just kind of like there and like not really doing stuff. Like yeah. for a reason, if that makes sense. And then like her sidekick slash like love interests. Or do they do they kiss? I can't remember. I don't I know he maybe likes maybe out of necessity. I don't maybe. So. I don't know. That was kind of weird. He he was just kind of there and it, there wasn't really any like chemistry. He didn't really have much purpose. He was just kind of there as a foil for Anna Kendrick. He didn't really seem to care about, like, figuring it out. He was just there because he liked Anna Kendrick's character. Same thing with, like, what's her name? The the girl that whose dad is, like, really religious. I don't, I I don't remember. And they work together. She had a name. I think it's, like, did. Darla or something. I thought Darla was the, or was the girl that went missing. That's probably it. I don't know. There was a there was a girl that Anna Kendrick was friends with, and I thought she'd have more of a character arc in this, but she doesn't. She's just kind of there as like a plot device as well, which is fortunate because I actually thought her character was the most interesting. Um, yeah. But doesn't go anywhere. But no, yeah, Anna Kendrick, I'd say was like just good. She did what she does well, playing a normal person, trying her best. Yeah. I guess <laughs> she's good at that. She's really good mm. at that. Yeah, I think I'd agree with pretty much everything you said. Of the movies I've watched so far, I think this is probably my least favorite Anna Kendrick performance because, like, she's given the most to do. She's given the most screen time, but, like, her character is very normal. Mm-hmm. That's that's just all she is. And so, like, yeah. this entire movie just, like, washed past me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fine. There's nothing special. There's not yeah. even that much special about her character other than, of all the characters... As you sort of mentioned, she has a character arc and she has like a plot that she follows. The rest of the characters kind of just feel like they're there. Yeah, which is, you know, unfortunate. Uh, The only other performance I found like notable at all was Jeff Daniel Phillips as the cop. He doesn't Mm. have much of a character arc, but like he was pretty good in his role as like a maybe dirty cop. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was clearly a standoffish cop, but the more you like the more that you that he was like in the movie it 
he was introduced as like probably a dirty cop and by the end of the movie it's like well was he or is he just kind of a dick i think it was just a dick (laughs) it's not really a character arc but like he was he was pretty good in that role i thought yeah he was certainly like emotionally like unpredictable i guess i don't Mm -hmm. know but yeah no it like you could replace anna kendrick i think with like many other actresses and you probably would have gotten basically the same movie that makes sense yeah you could have replaced anna kendrick with almost any other actress and the only difference is that i would not have watched this movie (laughs) it it was not good enough to actually i don't think it was good enough that i would have watched it normally yeah not that it's like a bad like i wouldn't say this was like an atrocious movie to watch i just say it's like aggressively mediocre yeah exactly this was like a mid-tier episode of csi yeah, I was really into CSI, and I was telling my friends which episodes they have to watch. This would not be one of them. But it wouldn't be like, stay away from this episode. It would just be like, oh yeah, that is an episode. It's a solid episode, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm coming down on this movie hard, but I really don't mean to. It's just sort of like... I mean, it's it's his first director. It's solid. His, his first movie that he directed, and I'm like, you know, B plus for effort. Yeah, I feel like, I feel kind of bad he never did more. Maybe it was just too stressful. Or I think this movie probably bombed um, at the box office, but yeah. Yeah, but also like he's still directing in TV, so. Yeah, no, he's he's making money. He's fine. Yeah, I like the parts where I mean this is kind of a cliche, but the parts where they take a picture of Anna Kendrick and then she'd be like, "Oh my God, it's me!" when she opens her phone, and then she like looked for the person that took it. That was kind of mm-hmm. cool, I guess. I like that. That's kind of, again, that's kind of cliche, but yeah. I guess that's it. I don't know what else to say about I, I think I we're about chill. at the end of this movie. Do we want to like yeah. slap a rating on it or wait till the end? Mm, we can do it now. I'd Just, say like three like and a four. half. Yeah, three and a half, four. Same thing with like Anna Kendrick rating too. <laughs> I think it's about the same. Yeah, I might rate her a little higher because, like, I do think she was the best part of the movie, but she was just also fairly mediocre here. Mm -hmm. I think uh, in the the Twilight chapter of her book, she talks about, like, Twilight paid her rent so she could go do your little indie movie for free. Mm, This is the indie movie she did for free. (laughs) Wow, thank God for Twilight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nearly saved us. But yeah, okay. And uh, what's the next movie we're doing? That you have just finished watching? Well, in... Yeah, I actually just finished watching End of Watch. So uh, when we come back from our break, we will talk about End of Watch. So... See you then. here's Here's a quick break. Hi, this is Dakota, host of ContraZoom Pod, where we go back and forth about film. I am obsessed with movies. I could talk about them all day, If you're like me, then you'll love my podcast. Every week we take a new topic, whether it's ranking a director's filmography, covering major film festivals, or getting way into Oscar season. While every week is different, we do have some recurring topics, like our Make Remake series looking at an original film and its remake, or our very popular A History Of program, taking an in-depth look looking at some of the biggest companies involved in film, including Criterion, A24, and Neon. It isn't all super serious topics, though, as we always need to play catch-up with all the hottest Marvel Cinematic Universe news and general pop culture goings-on. There's something for every kind of movie lover, whether you want reviews, interviews, or in-depth conversations. ContraZoom Pod is found on all podcatcher apps, and visit ContraZoomPod.com.
www.thepowerofthenews.com for even more information. Welcome back to Mixing It Up with Michael Pena. <laughs> Let's talk about... No, this wouldn't have been Michael Pena's first role. I was just thinking, like, was this his first terrible. role? No, he was in he was in Crash seven years before this. Oh, yeah, he was. He played someone who was a, a victim of a cop in this movie. In that movie, right? Oh, no, it well, wasn't a cop. Play, no, he just played, like, a Hispanic handyman who yeah, uh, okay. got yelled at by Brendan Fraser and he was like, you know what? That's not cool, but I'm Oh, he was the locksmith or something. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, back yeah. back in Crash. I mean in Crash it's either you're you're either playing a white person who's racist or a token minority, and he was one of the token minorities. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, Oscar winning movie crash, let's give it a little respect here. Come on. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah. It does have Oscar nominated actor Don Cheadle in it. Yeah. <laughs> What else can you say about it? So we're going to talk about End of Watch. That's the other movie we watched. Mm-hmm. And I just ended my watch of this movie. Damn it. I can't not. I cannot make a good pun on that. I that should was good. It's that right was kind of good. I liked it. <laughs> this is, I think, the first David Ayer movie we've ever talked about. It's, um, I think, the fourth David Ayer movie I've seen. But, uh, Pierre, mm-hmm. you said you were, like, really surprised to learn this was David Ayer. I guess I was, too, but you didn't learn it until after the movie was over. Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, it felt very... Like, now that you mention... I mean, I, I forgot David Ayer directed Bright, but it feels very similar. It's like if Bright was grounded and good, if that makes sense. Well, um, also, there's a... Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in this. I specifically think, like, if David Ayer would have brought back the same cinematographer for Bright... Bright would have mm. already been better. Like no mm. other changes to Bright, just the cinematographer from this movie. Yeah. I think Bright would have been like less bad. Mm. That's fair. Because this movie has incredible cinematography, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, the, yeah. Well, um, it's more like it's so, like, interesting. At a technical level, the cinematography is like fine. It's not actually that incredible. It's just that like it's you this is the best use of that kind of cinematography i can personally think of that i've seen it's probably not the absolute best use of it but of the movies i've seen that use like handheld found footage style cinematography yeah this was my favorite okay i don't disagree with you though what else has david ayer done i guess he did the suicide Suicide squad Squad. (laughs) not the suicide squad Oh, yeah. Suicide Squad. Come on. I mostly know him for bad movies, which is a shame because I remember that, like, when he got the first Suicide Squad movie, people were pretty hyped, myself included, because he just directed Fury, which I have not seen, but, like, did awesome at the box office and, like, was critically acclaimed. Yeah. It was one of those Shia LaBeouf performances that people look back on and are like, yeah, that was good. I definitely see... Because it's confusing looking back at those movies, like why would they hire David Ayer for Suicide Squad when they wanted it to be jokey and upbeat? Mm-hmm. Um, but you can definitely tell, like, I don't know what the first version of, there's probably like 10 different versions of Suicide Squad. There's not a Snyder cut. There's like 10, there's like an Ayer cut. There's a studio cut. There's like multiple different, stu- like, I think editing companies yeah. edited it as well. The Suicide Squad movie that we got, like the original one, was famously the final edit was done by a trailer company mm-hmm. and it shows. And like, I think, I don't think that when they hired David Ayer, they wanted the Suicide Squad movie to be like super jokey. Like they didn't hire him for that reason. Yeah. Because 
this movie was not jokey. And looking back on other David Ayer movies, like Bright is probably the most jokey of his other mm. movies beyond besides Suicide Squad. But that's because it's written by a hack fraud. So like, <laughs> also it came like right after Suicide Squad, right? So I think like he might have been true. like in that vibe or whatever. And he had Will Smith, so I don't know. Yeah, if you if you get Will Smith for better or worse, yeah. you are gonna get some some, some, some jokes. jokes. Yeah, no, because I remember the first. If you look at the the first trailer of Suicide Squad from like Comic Con a year before, the tone of it is completely different. It's very solemn and much darker and much more like mm-hmm. what this end of watch makes me feel just very solemn i i guess even though like end of watch isn't like a solemn movie but i I think it's like it's very dark but then like the chemistry of the leads and their dialogue is what keeps it feeling bright and it's kind of like an illusion though a glimmer of hope despite all the messed up things that are going on around them well like it's aiming to be grounded and at least quote unquote realistic but like it goes out of its way to not be really depressing. If we just like go through the all of the plot points of this movie, it could be very sad. Mm-hmm. But again, like as you said, the chemistry of the two leads, they pick two people who can do really good dramatic performances, but also are pretty funny. Mm. Yeah. And that cuz like I wouldn't say Jake Gyllenhaal is a comedian by any stretch but like he gets hired for a lot of funnier roles mm-hmm, too. yeah and that's basically the whole movie like the movie isn't very i wouldn't say it's like plot oriented it's very much like it's kind of like a character well, maybe not even a character study it, it feels like a documentary which just like and that's why they shot it and found footage maybe because it's just kind of following their lives and their adventures and like how their lives progress in like a small period of time or like a year about i guess right about but that, then yeah. like without really realizing it some of these events are important and they lead into like i guess a climax of sorts at the end of the movie yeah there is like one case that they are following throughout the whole thing but like it's not necessarily super obvious the whole time that everything relate that everything ends up relating to that mm-hmm. because this movie, the in-universe context of this movie is that Jake Gyllenhaal's character is just kind of shooting a documentary about what it's like to be a cop. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what this movie yeah. is, is it's just a day in the life, but like a year in the life of these two cops. Yeah, it's, it's, that's what it captures. I'm okay, so yeah, like with the cinematography, because it, it kind of, I think the cinematography is good for a found footage film. I just hate found footage usually because I, I feel like there's some forced like, like this guy's always carrying a camera for some reason and it doesn't feel like an, what a normal person would do, if that makes sense. There were definitely one or two scenes where I was like, damn, they just killed everybody in the except shot for except the cameraman. The camera. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll cut to like really weird angles where like there obviously isn't a camera there or there's very conveniently mm-hmm. a camera there for no reason. I'd, I'd prefer it if they just like would play it more in universe like because i don't like it because they're trying to it's supposed to be a grounded movie right but i wish it would be more like like they shot it found footage but it didn't have to be jake gyllenhaal's creating a documentary right it's just the style of it but like they don't because i hate always there's so many in all of these movies like there's always like an excuse for like oh there's there's footage here because conveniently because whenever they cut to a character that's not jake gyllenhaal It'll be like the criminals, and it's like, why are the criminals recording what they're doing? <laughs> like, 
That's the, yeah. That's what yeah. you don't want to do when you're a criminal. That's the worst thing to do as a criminal. Honestly, I think like if they had not had the in-universe reason Jake Gyllenhaal is like shooting a documentary about what it's like to be a cop, if they just omitted that scene, mm-hmm. I think it would have been a little less immersion breaking because then it's just the style that they're filming. Yeah. Not necessarily like a documentary. Exactly. Right? I don't really think it fit into his character at all. Like it didn't add anything to it because he didn't feel like someone that would care about filming a documentary if that makes sense true it doesn't really make sense who he's filming it yeah or like why like at least in a movie like what's that movie that was directed by that guy that did fan four stick (laughs) shut up (laughs) the guy that did fan four stick chronicle Chronicle. yeah at least in chronicle it made kind of made sense because the guy was like a loser and like the camera was like his only friend basically it's like the only way he could person he could talk to so kind of like made sense in universe uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character mm-hmm. doesn't feel like anyone that would touch a camera, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. And it didn't add anything to his character or whatever. It just made for some easy exposition lines and let them use the style, I guess. But again, like, yeah, I would prefer if they yeah. just, they could just make it like a document, like a mockumentary too, and have him talk to the camera directly. I don't know. Um, and not acknowledge it. I was just thinking, like, straight up, they probably just shouldn't have acknowledged yeah. it. Because, like, there are scenes where realistically of the characters in the camp in this in the scene no one has a camera and it doesn't make sense why there's still footage being, mm-hmm. being yeah there. but other than that i thought it was like i thought the style was cool it worked out for the movie um sorry we we never talked about anna kendrick well we haven't gotten yeah. to it yet anna kendrick in this plays jake gyllenhaal's girlfriend and then later mm-hmm. wife janet janet um what did you think about anna kendrick in this role i thought she was good this is another role where I mean, it's it's unfortunate that of the two movies we're talking about, the really good one is the one where she doesn't have much of a role <laughs> because that's you know she doesn't have much of a role in yeah. this movie. She exists, she has lines, and like this is actually a slightly different role than we've seen her in because like she just gets to play someone's girlfriend and just have fun. I, I don't know. I don't think she's had to, she's had that role in any other movie we've watched her in yet because like. In Twilight, she gets to play the normal girl mm. when the main girl is hanging out with supernatural beings. And, like, she gets to... And she basically is there as an anchor for the audience. So she has, like, sort of a narrative purpose in that sense. In Camp, she's, like, the weird kid who... Her purpose is to be the weird kid. Yeah, this is the first role where we've, like gotten to see her be a normal girl and like not also the main character so this is the one where i guess she's like a normal supporting character i don't know if that's the right word i don't know how to exactly say it but like i don't know she just plays like jake gyllenhaal's girlfriend that yeah and she yeah she just gets to use her natural charisma yeah i wouldn't even say like her and jake really add much chemistry i'm gonna be honest i mean they're fine they're all right. I didn't really feel any... I mean, she didn't really have much to work with because she didn't have many lines, but... I think, to me, it worked because Jake Gyllenhaal's character didn't seem like the kind of person that would have chemistry with anyone outside of his partner. And I think that that <laughs> yeah. actually worked to his ben- to his character's benefit because, like, his partner was the dude who actually had his life together and was balancing like his life at home with being a cop and Jake Gyllenhaal's character was the guy who talked a big game about having his life together but actually was like 
super disorganized and he was good at being a cop but not really anything else Mm -hmm. at least at the start of the movie i would say their chemistry was like off the charts and that's the only reason this movie works at all because like if you don't a lot of the scenes are just them talking right Mm -hmm. and like about random stuff or like about life right because a lot of it's kind of i think jake gyllenhaal's character is like kind of like he's like very lost in life and he's contrasted with his partner who isn't kind of this i wouldn't say he has his life together together but it's like you know he's you like you said he has a wife he's a lot more balanced yeah yeah he's he's attempting to raise a family or he has like a very secure relationship with his wife whereas jake is like tired of sleeping around and he wants something real but he's afraid to commit stuff like that and like Probably very little, if any, of this movie is improvised, but their chemistry is so good. Like Jake Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena's chemistry is so good that every single one of their conversations feels improvised. Like it all feels so natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it feels like you're watching a an actual documentary, mm-hmm. and it's really cool. Like this is this feels realer than like I mean reality shows obviously aren't real, but like you know movie dialogue is more cinematic. Uh, reality shows are more natural dialogue, but they still feel stilted, you know? This felt like yeah. feels like you could drop in on their conversation and have fun with them at any time, right? Yeah. That's so cool. It's very rare, I think, to have that so purely in a movie. Yeah, the last scene of the movie, and I swear this isn't a spoiler, the last scene of the movie is just one of them telling the other one a funny story. And, like, it's one of my favorite scenes. It works so well, because, like, you know, one of them is just telling this weird story and Jake and Jake Gyllenhaal keeps going, what? No way, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for real? Yeah. Yeah. And that that's like the perfect, because it's not even, it's not even plot relevant, right? It's just a story, like a story that you would tell to it's, your friend. It's barely it's even relevant to their relationship. Like all, <laughs> yeah. like the only purpose that sh- that scene serves is to show once again that they have incredible chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like we were saying earlier, that chemistry contrasts really well with the dark stuff they deal with day to day in terms of like, well, not like it seems like they don't really like a lot of their coworkers. Well, at least like there's like one or two they have a lot of conflict with throughout the movie. Just sort of an interesting fact that comes up when we talk about their coworkers. This movie has so many people in it that are in the MCU now. <laughs> yeah, Like David Harbour. I- yeah, David Harbour's in it. Frank Grillo is in it. Those are the two mm. cops that they constantly have conflicts with. And mm. then obviously Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena are also both in that scene. Yeah, that was kind of cool to see. David Harbour has like a relatively small role, but he, he does, I think he does it really well. Him, him and Frank Grillo both both play hard-ass cops and they're so good in those roles. Yeah, especially like contrasted. Exactly. They wouldn't be able to lead this movie because those are the exact kind of cops that we can't have to be the lead if this movie is going to be good. Mm-hmm. But like, as contrasting to Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena, who probably aren't, but as we're seeing them in the movie, are much more easygoing than these two. Like, mm-hmm. it works so well. Yeah. And yeah, and you can tell, like, like it's, it's not just the other cops they have to deal with. It's like, the criminals also kind of like their own... I wouldn't say morals because well it's interesting because they aren't like they're just very real people because they're not good people like they're not amazing people like they're not hero cops or anything like they do heroic things in the movie 
There but is like, one scene where I think like they just straight up go too far and actually do some police brutality on someone. Yeah. <laughs> well, is that are you talking about one of the first scenes or is that later? Fairly later. It's when they find the guy with the golden AK. Like they really oh, react to him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were like. Well, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> Im- Im- immediately they disarm him, and I'm not going to call that an overreaction. But as soon as they've disarmed him and gotten him out of the car, they like hold him down way more way harder than they probably need to yeah yeah so yeah there was like moments where they were like definitely in it for like the thrill and the rush of it um and the mm-hmm. the feeling of like hurting people but then also there are moments where they do some really nice things that they didn't have to do at all um yeah. and they potentially save people that would have died like that was really cool too like because then you're you're doesn't feel political if that makes sense which is nice like it's not doesn't like despite it being about cops it's not like crash or it was like a commentary on cops this was just like a look at these people's lives like it, it didn't even have to be they didn't even have to be cops if that makes sense yeah i mean yeah. it actually it like they probably probably had to be cops but like i i mean i think this was kind of a commentary on cops but it's definitely not explicitly pro or anti-cop it's like it shows a day in their lives and it david ayer doesn't really try to make it like appealing looking but he Mm -hmm. also doesn't shy away from making it look like they're not always in the right at the same time yeah okay that i guess that's more it it felt it was more trying to highlight things that a cop goes through without making you feel like you have to like see it this way or that way it was like yeah it just showed it it was objective that makes sense like a documentary i guess which is really cool same like type of objectivity for sure yeah so like I I like tone. that a lot because I feel like you it'd be tough to make a film like this nowadays without it being very politically motivated I guess so yeah so it was like interesting and um like I haven't seen many movies like this but it was really good I wouldn't say it was amazing because like I think there were definitely maybe a couple times where I, I didn't wasn't really loving it like again like the whole relationship with Anna Kendrick thing doesn't really go anywhere. Also, I think the plot for this movie is really weak. Like at the end of the day, it's just they're following this one case. And by the end, the gangsters that they've been following are fed up and lead them into a trap. So like, it's not an amazing plot. I don't think it has to be because that's not what this movie's about. But Mm -hmm. like, that is the weakest part of the movie for me. Yeah. I mean, I think it's impressive they did what they did with as little plot as they had, honestly. I mean, that that's the thing. It's like... It's really cool. If anything, I almost, like, wish he'd been able to do even more with even less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't need a better plot. I actually don't want a better plot. It's just yeah. the plot kind of sucks. Yeah. And there's a couple moments that didn't feel... Or maybe just one moment. I, I remember there's a scene where they get surprised by like a bunch of people with AKs mm-hmm. and none of the bullets really hit or maybe no, one they hits they, one one hits, right? One gets Jake Gyllenhaal's hand. And yeah. I think possibly they may have gotten hit somewhere else, but it was like grazed. I don't. Yeah, maybe I don't. That's that scene just felt a little uh, cheesy. If that makes sense. Like it felt like I was, watching a regular action movie for a sec because they didn't even like escape quickly like they basically they got surprised by it and then they continued to get shot at for like another four seconds about until they got cover 
like any cover they were completely out in the open and that just really took me out for a sec because like like that's not even a terrible like thing because i don't know how accurate ak's are when you don't know how to use them she definitely but, did comment on it that's like man you missed with every shot they did actually say that yeah that's fair like they were a little meta about it so that makes sense other than that i don't know it's a it's a really solid movie definitely my favorite of the anna kendrick movie so far yeah, despite it's, uh, <laughs> you know, despite her not really having anything it. to do with those. Yeah. Also, I gotta say, this is the third time that we've talked about a movie that has been nominated for Independent Spirit Awards. Mm-hmm. Nice. This one was nominated for Best Supporting Male for Michael Pena, which, like, straight up, he deserved it. Honestly, Michael Pena is not a small name by any means, but like, he deserves more recognition than he gets. I feel like he's mostly known for being the wisecracking dude in ant-man and Mm. like if that is true that's not fair to him because he's got such a he's got such good dramatic range you know he was the only part of crash i liked he was the best part of this movie he's good he was in uh i remember him tower him in tower heist (laughs) that helps you Um, i i don't know that i i don't know if i've (laughs) seen tower heist i haven't seen it in a long time yeah, I haven't either. I remember liking it, him in it, though. Yeah, I don't know. He's Yeah, he's definitely... Both him and Jake Gyllenhaal really show what they're good at. I mean, I, have, I don't think I've ever seen a Jake Gyllenhaal role where I've been like, he disappointed me. He's definitely one of the best actors I've seen uh, in art yeah. in like, the past 10 years. I feel like he needs to choose better roles, maybe, because I feel like he could be like up there with like Christian Bale... Leonardo DiCaprio think, potentially if he chose better roles maybe I mean it's just a matter of consistently choosing better roles because like the only reason he's not like right up there is because Leonardo DiCaprio for example chooses like exclusively good roles Christian Bale doesn't choose exclusively good roles but he gets enough good roles that he is up there Jake Gyllenhaal like he had his moment with Brokeback Mountain and, like, he has continued to be good since then. But, like, he's got to, like, be a little more consistent about choosing just incredible roles, I feel like. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe he just likes choosing random stuff, too. I think that kind of helps him sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work. It's like, I'll never forget the, what, what was the one, uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. That was, that hurt me, man. I mean, he was really good in that. He was, yeah. I mean. The movie was bad. He was good. Yeah, I still don't want to watch the movie again. <laughs> no. I couldn't do it. Do you want to know who won the Independent Spirit that year for Best Supporting Male, the one that could have gone to Michael Pena? Was it Bradley Cooper or something? It was Matthew McConaughey for Magic Cooper, Mike. Dallas. Oh, Magic Mike. Wait, Matthew Magic McConaughey Mike. was in Magic Mike? I didn't even realize oh that. I haven't seen I mean, it I haven't, yet. I haven't seen it yet. I gotta. Yeah, that's crazy. I keep meaning to. Well, first off, what would you give End of Watch, like, overall? I'd say, like, an 8. I think it's just a very unique movie, and, like, it's been so long since I've seen that amount of chemistry between two leads. Mm-hmm. Like, and I loved it that much. I, I don't, I think the movie's really dark, and I don't think, again, I don't think the plot's that great, but I feel like I could turn on any scene and just enjoy them talking. Absolutely. It'd be really great. And that, I mean, that, I think that brings it up. Like, this movie would have been a 7 or a 6. Uh, but it's brought up to an eight just because of the and I don't I want to say that's like not the director I think this David Ayer and like his casting director 
they're really smart in putting these two together as well. So a lot of credit to them too for like yeah. noticing this and making it work for sure. Yeah. I don't want to take away from David Ayer here, but like what makes this movie is definitely Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena. And like the rest of the cast is great too. Uh, America mm-hmm. Ferrara is fantastic in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't have that much to do, but she has, she's probably like, if I had to pick a third person to be like a third lead in this movie, she's probably the one with the most screen time behind the first two. David Harbour and Frank Grillo are great in their like tiny antagonistic roles. <laughs> Anna Kendrick is fun. Problem is she's not really in very much. So it's a shame, but it is cool that she was in this movie. Mm-hmm. I'd also probably give it a, like a solid A. It's definitely that chemistry. Like that chemistry brings it up from whatever it could have been all the way to an A. Because I think if we had two actors that like were fine, they have enough chemistry that like they carry the movie, but like it's nothing special. This probably would have been like a five or a six because the plot is, the plot's a little ass and like it doesn't matter that much again, but it only doesn't matter because the chemistry is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't even know if you'd have a movie if it didn't work, because so much of this movie is just them talking, yeah. right? So maybe if it was, like, not, maybe, like, maybe if they didn't have the chemistry, it just would have been awkward, and then all those scenes are awkward, then you don't have a movie, right? Yeah. You couldn't release that. Yeah, let's really say that bad. these cops are Matthew McConaughey and Bruce Willis. <laughs> yes. The movie doesn't work. They're good actors. I mean, Bruce like, well, Willis was like, well, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis was like anyone right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he has chemistry with anyone but right let, now. Let's assume it's... Unless, unless Wes Anderson directed it, maybe. Let's say it's like Bruce Willis in his prime and Matthew McConaughey. It still doesn't work because like, what what are those two going to do? Mm-hmm. They're fine, yeah. but like, it really does all hinge on that chemistry between the two leads. Yeah. As for Anna Kendrick, I would say this is... This is fine. Like, I this definitely is not going to be her best role in general. I think I would probably end up putting this fairly low. From what we've talked about so far, I would probably put... I still keep rocket science on top. I would probably put this below Twilight just because I liked her role in Twilight better. But, like... Yeah. And and these are comparable roles because she's barely in this movie. Yeah, I, I'd say maybe a five. I don't I, I I find it hard to rank. I'd probably rank it less if I didn't like the movie. Um, I, but it's hard for me to put this movie, like, any relation to this movie less than a five. Like, she was fine. She's fine. There's nothing she wrong was with in. her. It's just... Yeah, no. She's, she's, she's there. just barely there is the problem. She had that one scene, I guess, where she's... I thought it was kind of charismatic where she's talking to the camera. It felt a little creepy. Uh, because like who after the like the first or second date steals someone's camera and then films them talking about I think I want to say she talks about like marriage at some point in a, and it's like their second date and I was like okay that's a little odd to like admit to the camera of your the person you just slept with I did think that was like a little endearing though because it's kind of a difficult balance there because as we said like I think in general, this movie would probably have been better if they just didn't acknowledge the camera at all. But like, with a couple of exceptions, the times when they did acknowledge the camera, like explicitly, they went out of their way Mm -hmm. to like, do something kind of fun with it, if not necessarily interesting. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the cases where like, you know, it's a little character moment for her. It makes sense, like what she's doing with the camera. 
is it something that any well, like does it make sense as a as like a person i don't know but like it gives the camera <laughs> and her purpose in that scene yeah you know it's it's doing something it was definitely for me one of those found footage scenes where like i liked i, I liked her in the scene mm-hmm. but it was still one of those found footage scenes where they're like trying to do stuff with the camera that's just like just don't explain it you know I mean, like don't don't go through that yeah i like, think just have her talk to a camera and don't explain it but like don't be like giving reasons because it never makes any sense anyways well i think like that was a good example where a bad example is like early on jake's like oh yeah i'm filming some stuff that's that's a bad acknowledging the camera anna kendrick like finding that's his true, camera yeah. and being like oh well i think he's still asleep and i found his camera that's a comparatively good acknowledging the camera in my that's opinion. fair yeah relatively good. yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah no it was a like, great this is definitely i think on the top of my list by like a very solid amount. Oh yeah, for sure. Happy I watched it. Thank you, David Ayer. I never thought I'd say that. When we were doing our Leonardo DiCaprio podcast, it was really easy to split Leonardo DiCaprio's career into like eras. And we can't do that with Anna Kendrick. I think I've probably said that on a podcast already. I know I keep saying it like every time we introduce ourselves to guests before the show. But, like, it's harder to do with Anna Kendrick. So the way we split this up, the first thing to get out of the way is, like, talk about all of her minor roles. We are about to finish that. In our next episode, we are going to talk... That will be our last episode for the time being, uh, where we talk about a role that's, like, a movie where she has a really, really minor role. We still have a couple of episodes where, like, we'll talk about her and where she's not the lead. But, like, the next one is the last one where she's got, like just a couple minutes of screen time. Mm-hmm. But they are interesting moments of screen time, in my opinion. It, it's definitely my favorite of the first couple of movies we're talking about, and I think it's going to rank very high for Anna Kendrick's performance, too, because she plays such a fun character. Our next mm. episode is going to be Scott Pilgrim vs. the World by Edgar Wright. Wow.